I'm sure this is the topic that's um, often dealt with, maybe a little too much. But the question is, what's wrong with having a fully filtered smartphone? And why is it okay, at least nowadays, to have a flip phone? So what's wrong with a fully filtered smartphone? But that comes with some other questions, and I'll just go through some other, other ones over here. And the question is really, what do we do if we have anxiety? And the anxiety is controlling us. And how do we overcome anxiety? And um, what other questions? What happens if there's someone in your life that you can't get away from and they're continuously hurting you, but you can't get away from them and you're stuck? How do you handle that? And uh, what happens if you're davening to Hashem and He's not answering you back? What do you do? <coughs> and so on and so on, so forth. Many of these questions over here. And it's interesting that sometimes the questions that we ask are providing the answers that we are looking for in the questions themselves. If I ask you a question, what's wrong with surfing the internet all the time? Are we clear that there's a problem there? We're good? Yeah? And what's wrong with a fully filtered smartphone? Can't do anything. So then why do you have it? It clearly can do a lot, a lot more than a dumb phone. Hmm? Right. Good. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the most kosher form of um, <coughs> of wasting time. Now let's ask this: Does anyone here know what to do with themselves <coughs> alone for an extended period of time? If you were to be all by yourself without any distractions, no phones, no people, mm -hmm. solitary confinement, would you know what to do with yourself? Take a nap. Take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Excellent. That's a way, that's a form of distraction. Let me rephrase that. You're awake. Oh. <laughs> now what? And you're, you're, you're overslept. Yeah? Think. Think. Great. Overthink your whole life. Overthink your whole life. <laughs> Try to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be what? Playing with my hair. Playing with your hair is great, right? But you, you have also a brain. Okay, let's go deeper into this question and I'll phrase it like this. One second. What if you have absolutely no distraction. You can't sleep. Your hands are tied, so you can't play with your hair. You can't pick your hands up high enough. Yeah? Well, what? Talk to Hashem. What would you tell Hashem? I would go insane. 
Oh, that's probably what we, most of us would do, go insane. I'd honestly go insane. Um, it's, like, not necessarily would overthink things. I mean, just thinking about, I feel like you become a more philosophical person. You become more what? A more philosophical person. More philosophical person, right. You know, I met this young lady. She was actually dating a guy, and she was living in Eretz Yisrael. She was from uh, South America somewhere, and she was dating a guy over here, so she came to visit him. And uh, I, I asked her, what do you do for a living? And I was quite blown away. She said, she, she lives in Rishon LeZion. So I said, okay, Rishon LeZion is pretty, you know, central Israel. No, no, no. She says, like, I live in the fields outside Rishon LeZion. So her job in life is, she is, I never heard of this one, not in the 21st century. She is a shepherd. What? <laughs> she goes out into the fields every day. Isn't that like not sneers? Yeah, like that. What's not sneers about? No, aren't like women like running after sheep, not sneers? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what shepherd is. <laughs> 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 I don't think she's running. What she's doing is, her job, her job is to sit there and look after the, the sheep. So I don't know how you have to run. I mean, I don't know what exactly she's doing. But it sounds like, it sounds like a job that requires a lot of introspection. So I said to her, Do you, are you often on your phone? She said, I don't take my phone out to the field. So here comes the question, right? Isn't it, isn't it to most of us what used to be what used to be the primary vocation of mankind? Most people, if you said I'm an accountant in the olden days, they wouldn't know what accountants do. I mean, they knew, but it wasn't like a job that most people did. Shepherd was a very common vocation, a common career. Nowadays, it isn't. What don't you understand about being a shepherd? Isn't it true that what like, absolutely blows our minds is what is she doing all the time with all her time? Hold on. What is she doing with so much time on her hands, Vega? Because here's the question. Understand that assume that social media were absolutely kosher. Assume that for a child, social media is all Uncle Moishi and the Mitzvahmen. And that's all you have available on social media. Right? And there's nothing else. But get this. What it's trying to do all the time. And I'm talking about 100% kosher social media. What it's doing to our brains is causing us to look outside for our sense of well-being. Okay? It's causing us to look outside and not inside. Now I'm going to show you a pasuk that we actually use in davening. This is in the biggest hilah of the year on Yom Kippur in Ne'ila. And we also say this pasuk in Slichois. Uh, so the pasuk is like this. It's a tefillah. goes like this. Merubim tzorchei amcha vedatam so what does that mean? Merubim Amcha, simply, your people's needs are many, are multiple. 
And Daitam Kitsara, their brains, their das, their understanding, their knowledge is very limited. Now what that seems to suggest is that we don't know how to daven. So we don't have enough das to know how to ask you for what you need. Therefore Hashem helped me to daven. But I'm going to take it to a deeper level of understanding. Okay, a more Hasidic level of understanding. Here's what it means. Merubim tzorchei amho. You know why your people's needs are so many? Why do people need so many things? Because datam kitsara, because their brain capacity is very limited. So what happens is, our brains have options. And when you, here's what happens, right? When you live life and you notice what everybody else around you has, <coughs> then by definition, you, you get to see, she goes there, they do that, and she has that, and I don't. And so every one of those things, what it does to you is it wears away at your own sense of well-being. And you keep on needing and wanting someone else what they have. And it might not even be intentional. It's subliminal. It happens to you. And what it does is it causes you to be distracted all the time. What's the biggest issue with a phone? Is that it's not a problem, a phone. A phone is actually a solution to a problem. What's the problem? The what? What are we trying to solve by using the phone? When someone says, I'm desperate to text on Shabbos. Really? Why are you so desperate? What, what's it giving you? Bored. I'm bored and the phone is distracting. It doesn't make you unbored. It doesn't answer your problems. Yeah? Um, but if there's no one to talk to, just everyone's keeping Shabbos, then what's the point? Right. Good question. What is the point? I'll tell you what. Sometimes you find one friend who doesn't. You never know, right? Or there's other stuff to do on the phone. I don't know. I mean, I'm not giving you ideas, but... <coughs> music, stuff like that. But a phone is not an answer to a problem. It distracts you from the problem. The problem is the boredom. The question is, is there a way to find it from within? So when you have these other types of questions, right? Like, for example, <coughs> what if you feel like Hashem isn't answering you? Maybe we want to learn how to talk to Hashem. Maybe talking to Hashem requires self-introspection. Maybe that's the issue. That we should find Da'as. There are two types of Da'as. There's Da'as, which comes from outside. And there's Da'as, which comes from within. Right? Now, das that comes from within, what does it mean? It means that I am getting my sense of well-being, my sense of self. Where am I getting it from? From myself, not from outside. Now, I think we've spoken about this in the past, right? But what does it mean to worship idols? Does anyone here feel that they are idol worshippers? I hope not, right? You believe in one God? Any issues with that? We do, yeah? What does it mean to be an idol worshiper? Well, here's how you bow down to an idol, right? You take your head and you go like that. You bow down. That's how you bow down. You can do that figuratively. How do you bow down to an idol? It's when your headspace, your das, instead of standing erect in your power with Hashem, your head decides to get its power from 
somewhere else or something else. So someone else is going to dictate to me how I feel. Now that's very, this is one of the most challenging and difficult things that our generation faces. It's almost impossible, except that you don't really have a choice if you want to have a normal life. The question is, how do I live with myself and discover my own sense of satisfaction from within, from inside me, and not from anything else outside me? It's very good to say that. Of course, I don't care what you have. I don't get influenced by you, but you do. So what's it going to take to be able to find your sense of power, your sense of satisfaction from within? You know how people live today? They wake up in the morning, and within three seconds, they already fall into a depression. Why? Because it's like inevitable. You run for that phone, and you want to see who needed me. <laughs> what happened in the world while I was gone for a few hours? And then you find out, and it's most of the time not exciting. And so it, does, it takes away your mood within seconds of waking up. What would happen if in those fresh moments, if we actually learned how to draw our power from within? So you see how some of these issues, if you learn how to talk to Hashem, and um, what if there's someone you can't distance yourself from and they constantly hurt you? Do you know why someone else is able to hurt you? Because you're allowing yourself to be affected by it. Exactly. Yes. What if it's like someone who, according to the Torah, you're meant to like listen to, you know what I mean? Like, what if it's like a close family? Like, what if you have a parent, chas yeah. v'shalom, who is not behaving the way they should? Exactly. So you have a mitzvah, kabbalah, and yet they're not behaving the way they should. So what's the answer to that question? The answer is, there's a mitzvah of kabbalah, and Keep the mitzvah. Which means the mitzvah is to respect them. But if they're being toxic, if someone's being toxic, if I'm, if I'm comfortable in my own skin, I won't accept toxicity from anyone. That means I'll be able to look at you and say, you have a problem. That problem doesn't affect me. This is the art but of I maturity. Up to that. What? I'm not, I'm not sure anybody could really do that. Right. So, you know what I say about that? Um, I tell you this one once, a lady was in a, a nursing home and this young Bachar came to visit, they were looking, you know, so she asked him, how many children do you plan to have? So he said, I want to have 12 children. She says, wow, that's amazing. You, Boychikl, are going to be a very rich man. He says, thank you for the bracha. How do you know? She says, because you're going to have to. How are you going to support 12 kids? <laughs> This, what we're talking about now, is probably the hardest thing you're ever going to face in life. The most difficult thing ever. But you don't really have a choice. Because, see, only a few years ago, nobody knew what WhatsApp was. It didn't exist. And so you weren't able to be influenced by so much and so many things out there going on at that moment. When you are being bombarded by everyone and everything else, we have no choice but to look at ourselves and say, okay, where can I derive my sense of well-being from me? Now, I want to tell you a quick story. You heard of Eliyahu Hanavi? Yeah. Do you know Tanakh a little bit? Do you know the story of Eliyahu on Hara Carmel? Yeah. Okay, let me recap the story. Great. I'm happy, happy you know it. So the story is like this. What? Two mountains. The Baal. One mountain. One mountain. The Baal, yeah. 
Here's what happened. Elio goes up on Har Carmel. Okay? He goes up the mountain and he makes a duel. He challenges Achav. Achav was the king of Israel and there had been a famine for a few years already and Elio was very upset about it. He was trying to get them to stop the, this idolatry. They were bowing down to the Baal. So Elio tells them as follows. He says, you guys are 400 prophets of the Baal. You offer, we'll take two bulls who are identical. You offer your bull on your altar, on the Mizbeach, and, um, and let's see what happens. If the Baal answers you, then we know that you are the correct one and your God is right. However, if when you finish, I'll be done, I'll start, I'll dive into Hashem. If Hashem answers me, then you know that Hashem is the real one. So they start early morning and the 400 prophets start to pray to the Baal. They also took um, an individual and they put him under the Mizbeach, under the altar. And his job was to light the fire, right? From underneath, and nobody should know. Alas, a snake came and poisoned him to death. So he was dead underneath. So they were davening all day long and nothing happened. No fire came and, and uh, accepted the, the, uh, the bull. Then Elio gets up and it says, He fixed up the altar of Hashem that was destroyed. And he put it back together and he makes the Mizbeach and now he's like, hey, he's offering a carbon. Takes an identical bull and he puts it on. And then he took water and he put, he built troughs of water all around and he basically filled it up with water so that if a fire comes down, it's going to be an absolute miracle and he was trying to prove a point. And he dive into Hashem. In Slichus, we always say, He who answered Elio should answer us. And when was Elio answered? By Mincha time. So here's what he said. He turns to the people and he says to them, Ad, these are the words, Ad Mosai, Atem Poischim al Shtei Haseipim. How long are you going to be wavering between two sides? Im Hashem Mo'elikim Lechu Acharov, Vim Baal Lechu Acharov. If Hashem is God, follow him. If the Baal is God, follow him. Isn't that a strange thing to say? Shouldn't he have said, follow Hashem? How can you follow idols? What did Elio say? He said, if Hashem is God, follow Him. If the Baal is God, follow Him. But don't waver in the middle. So in other words, decide with Hashem or with the Baal. What if the people, people would have said, we're with the Baal? That's okay, right? What happened was afterwards, a heavenly fire comes down, devours the, the, the carbon and the water and everything, and the people recognize and they start screaming, Hashem wo'elikim, Hashem wo'elikim. They recognized Hashem. That was the victory of uh, Elio, of davening to Hashem over the Baal. What's Elio saying? Here's what he's saying, very powerful. He says, you want to serve Hashem? That's the best. You want to serve idols? Please, go for it. You know why it's okay? Because if you serve the idols, inevitably you'll realize your mistake. It isn't possible for someone to keep <coughs> on serving idols and not come back to Hashem at some point. Any Jew who serves the idols at some point will realize his, his ways are, are, are false. What's the problem? The problem is if you're a religious person who serves Hashem and simultaneously serves the Baal. You follow? You're serving Hashem and the Baal at the same time. Now that message is a message to us today. 
If you decide one day, I'm off the path, I'm off the derech, I don't want to serve Hashem, what's going to happen? You go off, chas v'shalom. But then at least you know you're off and you can come back. What happens if you believe in Hashem, you have a muna, but all the time you have anxieties from somewhere else? Something else affects you. Why does it affect you? Because you're allowing it to affect you. Does that make sense? What does it mean you're allowing something else to affect you? It means, I believe in Hashem. Okay. So why are you anxious over what's happening tomorrow? Yeah. The problem is what else is there? Um, it's like, it's the same thing as like overthinking everything you've done. Like having, and that's like, that, Hashem doesn't have control over what you did. You already did it. Right. So let's say you did something. Does Hashem have control? If you have emuna in Hashem, one second, if you have emuna in Hashem, then you know that ein ra yoyred milamailo. Nothing bad ever comes down from above. Anything, anything that happened past is always good, even if you did something wrong in the process. Get this? If you believe in Hashem, if you have emuna in Hashem, then anything in the past is always good, even if you're the one who made a mistake in it. Yes? What if um, one of the anxieties that Hashem is not real? Or if you're worried that Hashem is not real. Okay, excellent question. Then we need to, hold on, then we, what we need to do is take our emuna, right? We want to take our emuna and bring it down. So that means like this, maybe Hashem is not real. Can you explain to me what that means, Hashem is not real? Why, do, why, does someone, why would someone think that? Like, what if, like, um, all the atheists are right? Like, what if, like, we're, like, the world was created just somehow? Right. So the world just came about for no reason. Mm-hmm. Right? What's really behind that question? Is Hashem real? How do I know Hashem is real? Okay. Right, right. It's a very powerful question, but isn't the question really more like, I don't relate to Hashem, like, he's so abstract, I don't notice what he does for me in my life, I don't see Hashem's presence and power and I don't feel him if you felt Hashem's presence would the question still be there? yes because what if the presence I felt was just coincidence was what? just coincidence like let's say I got into the lesson let's just try to do this right watch I'm closing my eyes and I'm doing this it's an amazing thing to do <coughs> you ever tried that? Is there any way to do that without some kind of divine energy? So, science is wonderful. But wherever you go, there is stuff in the air called oxygen, which you breathe in. And somehow, when it goes in, it's unbelievable. It goes inside your body, sustains your body. And you know that because if you don't breathe for a while, it ain't good. And then you breathe out, and the other stuff comes out. And somehow... There's more of that other stuff coming in all the time. Isn't there a power, a divine power? In other words, it's about being mindful of divine power that's there anyway. Right? So, it doesn't take... Okay, so let's go through a Big Bang. Fine, a Big Bang. Okay. So, I have one question about the Big Bang. Who made the little guy who came at the (coughs) beginning? The little piece of dust that got together at the beginning. Who made him? What's the answer? 
told you everything else, right? We discussed this one. I told you everything else. I don't know that one little question. Okay, but that was the only question I had. I said, how did this being come into the world? Here's the Avaida. The work is to take the... What you're saying now is not a problem. It is the work why Hashem put us in this world. What does Hashem want from us? He wants us to take an abstract relationship to the divine and draw it down and bring it down. Great. I'm going to answer that question in a second. You have a different question or something separate? Yeah. Um, what? Right. Okay. So let's do both these together. Watch. You say, never heard of this statement. You go to Shul. You say, Amen. Yehei. Shmei. Rabba. What does this mean? Anyone? What does this mean? What does that mean? In English? It's not a trick question yet. Yeah? And what? Hashem's name should be? Amplified. Amplified? Which word that means amplified? Okay. You're supposed to say this with all your might. Ever heard that one? Mm-hmm. Right? Watch how you're meant to say this. This word is the key. We've discussed this, and I want you to change your translation and vocabulary. This single translation of this word will change your life because you dive in every day. That's the most important word, right? What's mevarach? What's this called? In Hebrew. Huh? Berech, a blessing. Why is a ni the same word as berech, barech, baruch? Why is a ni called a blessing? Because what do knees do to the person? If I'm standing up and I bend my knees, what happens to me? I go down, right? So lehavrich means to bring down. Now try plug that translation in every time you daven and see what it does to your davening. <coughs> Yehei, Shem Yudke Rabba, may the name of Hashem, which is exalted and above, be mevorach, brought down, where? What's olam? But what does olam look like? What is another word for olam? What? What's this? He'elem. Who speaks Hebrew? What's he'elem? Ne'elam. Disappeared. Hidden. Olam is a world. Olam means Hashem disappeared. Why do you have an anxiety? Because you don't feel Hashem's presence right here, right now. Hold on. <coughs> Because you don't feel Hashem right here. When we're saying, you say, Hashem, you are abstract. Right? Well, your question is not a question. 
And the same thing about what you're saying and what you're saying. All the questions about the anxieties, anxieties are called I don't feel Hashem's presence right now. I'm not seeing it. That's, one, that's why we need you. You're here because Hashem hid Himself. He removed Himself, concealed Himself so you don't see Him. What's your mission in life? Is to bring Him down. Hashem is up. You want to bring Him down. Up doesn't mean in Mars. Hold on. Up doesn't mean in Mars. Where's up? Up is removed. Not real. And I want to bring him down, meaning into my brain and heart. Yes? How can I see him if he's just keeping giving me tests on his own and not letting me see him and not answering me? Here's the story. Excellent question. Hashem is behind every single thing that happens. You ever seen a mommy or a tati taking their kids on the bike? So you have this, this six-year-old beginning to ride. So what do they do? They go on the bike, they're holding the chair, right? They're like, and then poof, go. What happens? The kid goes, falls down, scrape. What, what do we do next? Let's get on again. Go for it again. And then at some point, the kid is like, don't leave me, don't leave me, mommy. And what does mommy do? I've got to let you go. Why? Because when I'm letting you go, I'm not letting you go. I'm giving you independence. Hashem did the most unbelievable gift that he gave us. So what is that? He says, I'm going to stay up here. I'm going to remove myself. <coughs> in order that you should feel separated from me and you should be able to find me. You're not... Well, he's not going to let me if he's giving... Like, I don't feel like he's letting me find him. He's giving, giving me these tests. Try this out, for starters, and just try this. Say these words and govern. And every time you say these words, right, when you're feeling anxious, close your eyes and say, Hey, Shmei, Rabban, Mavarach, Lohman, Hashem, I'm feeling anxious. I'm davening to you that your great name should be brought down right now. And I'm asking you, I'm downloading you into my life right now that I should feel your presence. When you ask Hashem to do that, you will start seeing that Hashem is revealed to you. Yes? Well, I don't see how this answers the first uh, original question about the phone. Do you ever say it as a distraction? Yeah. Then what is it we're supposed to do that isn't Okay, so again, like, oh, here's, here's the story. Great question. If I'm feeling anxious right now, hold on, let me answer one at a time. If I'm feeling anxious right now, what solution does the world tell me to do? The world today says, what? Go on the phone, exactly. Find a distraction. Go watch something that's going to take your mind off it. But humans <coughs> are human. And therefore, if you didn't solve the problem, it's going to fester inside you. It doesn't go away. What you want to do is learn how to find Hashem in this moment. It's very difficult, by the way. Most people aren't going to do this. Most people are going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. This is too difficult. Then they're going to live in these anxieties for the rest of their lives. But some people are daring and ready to take the extra step. And so what do they do? They don't go looking for a distraction. They sit there in a very uncomfortable space. They say, I'm feeling anxious right now. Right? I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to put away my phone. You know what's amazing? Hashem gives us a day called Shabbos. And if you really keep Shabbos, right, and you don't look at the phone, you're forced, so you feel anxiety and you can't look at the phone. You can't talk to anyone. It's like, oh my gosh, what do I do right now? And you try this. Hashem, I'm feeling anxious. I want to feel Hashem's presence right now in this moment. Yeah? Um, what, what's the point? Like, 
we're on this world and our purpose is to bring Hashem down into our lives. Like, why does Hashem care? Why he created that purpose? Is it like a video game for him where we're like little little people who we make do his little missions for no reason? Like, <laughs> yeah, I like his little video games. Right. So it's a good question. It's a it's a really good question. What Hashem wants, remember we once discussed, it's called Dira Betachtoin. We don't know why Hashem wants it. But we know what Hashem wants, and that's very helpful to us. What Hashem wants is to, to remove himself from a space where he's not there. And you have a very real mission now. Now the real answer to your question is, take a look what happens if you become a godly person. You know what a godly person is? Someone who says this in their lives all the time. Someone who constantly feels Hashem's presence in their lives again and again. You know what a non-godly person is? Someone who keeps looking at their phone to get the answer to the distraction in their lives. And then you're like, you're not a human being. Because you're all the time anxious and worried and stressed out and whatever. And you're just looking and, and there's something to distract me. So when someone else looks at you, they're like, I don't know. I don't sense a mensch over there. I sense someone who's just scared of their own shadow. <coughs> And I don't relate to you. So you repel people from coming towards you. When you have a space of Hashem's presence, you draw people are attracted. You ever see someone who's like just an energy you just want to be next to? That's this energy. Some people just have it. Other people have to work on it. Okay, we'll take one last one because we're out of time. Who wants to do the last question? Who didn't have a chance? Yeah. Um, anxieties aren't always logical. So even if you like have this line, you can like repeat it to yourself a hundred times, it might not help. Right, so. anxieties are most of the time not logical. Anxieties are yetsahara, which is just jumping up and just becoming all powerful in, in front of your face for no reason. And, when and you, you can't... Anxiety, are you, is it your job to like overcome it? It's your job to, to overcome it or what? Or run away from it? Or, yeah, or accept it and then... Yes, then ac accept it. And then say, and Hashem is still with me. Look, I'm still fine. I accept it. And then I move to feel Hashem's presence. This is so tough. What? That doesn't take away the problem. It doesn't take away the problem. You're asking Hashem to be with you and to take away the problem. Watch what happens. Have you ever had an anxiety and you spoke to a friend? And then they really understood you? And then what happens? If somebody comes over to you and they sit with you and they, and they show you... Okay, let me wrap it up with a beginning question. It's a, it's a conversation. I'm out of time, but I'll wrap it up. We look at phones, which are kosher, and anything else to distract us. We're trying to find our sense of satisfaction from outside. That's called It's jumping on, waver, on all sorts of things. Like I'm a, I'm a religious Jew, I believe in Hashem. But right now I'm anxious, I'm feeling something else. A, if you want to be, one second, if you want to be a believing Jew, have emuna. that means the Hashem that I believe in, I got to bring him down into any sense of anxiety, walk right into it, and don't allow a distraction to distract you from the original place where you are. You get it? That's the work. The work is to be able to find your relationship with your own self and with Hashem in the present moment and not... Okay, we're gonna. So next time, Mr. Shem will discuss it further. In order to get us further on, you got a question about this? What?
I just want to tell you, the number one thing that boys also face, right, is that they get taught how to learn Gemara, how to learn Torah, how to daven, etc. But one thing we don't get taught, how to live with this guy inside me. And all the negative thinking all the time, and all the time comes, just distract, distract. If you don't learn how to live with Hashem in a constant, all the time, on a constant basis, and it's very hard, abstract work, but if you don't, you're going to be constantly looking for other things to find, you know, Daitam Ksara. We're going to work on it. Together. Bezrat Hashem. Yes. Bezrat Hashem.